The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. Ooh, I like the inflection of that. That was unintentional completely, honestly. But it's ha- it sounded nice, though. Ooh. <laughs> I'm Dude Two, Joe. Hello. Ooh. Sweet oh, that's copywritten. I shouldn't. <laughs> but no, hi, welcome to the show, everybody. Two dudes, one double feature. We actually have a really fun uh, couple of episodes, because this is actually kind of a part one in a sort of two-part sort of thing. So you'll get part one this week, part two next week. Uh, but it's exciting nonetheless. Uh, but before we get into all of that, dude two, how are you? Fine. All right, moving on. So, <laughs> um, is, it, is, is that it? Isn't there anything well, happening? I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to be that guy and talk about um, uh, uh, Cinema Day. You bastard. Yeah, I'm so sorry I went to a theater that you were not working at. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, listen, I'm just happy you had a good time and a terrible decision. But, you know, it's all good. <laughs> Richard, Richard, I, I could get into things, but I will not. Um, Same. <laughs> what's your point my point being that's anyway um no uh but i went to cinema day uh for two movies actually um you know and i saw three thousand years of longing the george the george miller movie um you know it was a good time um i want to see it again at some point um but uh, really cool. And I saw Jaws on the big screen uh, cool. in IMAX. Really enjoyed that experience. And it really is just like, it's kind of crazy because other than like, the only other time I've really seen Jaws in like a weird environment was seeing it like on the beach once. Um, that sounds like it could be fun. It, it was fun, but like there just really isn't quite anything, like anything quite like, seeing it on the big screen like mm. it actually like the like the jump scare works a lot better obviously like with this with your sound and everything with your audience you know um and it was really interesting too because parents took their kids and jaws is a pg movie and i'm not saying jaws is like you know the most inappropriate thing in the universe but it is kind of wild to think about like frozen is a pg movie it's it's that it's that you know it's that whole thing of like you know before PG thirteen was as prominent as it became, yeah. You know, like they were starting to figure out like okay, well, what's PG thirteen and what's PG? And so like you go back and watch some movies that came out, even movies that came out after the PG thirteen rating was starting to become a thing, and it's like it's so weird. <laughs> like I, it, yeah, Beetlejuice is PG, and that still weirds me out to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that is very strange. Um. 
but definitely a great time on the big screen. But it was also really funny, too, because after our screening, uh, there was a little kid who was, was like, now that was a movie. <laughs> it was a little <laughs> well, violent. But that that kid knew. I like to think that kid had a life-changing experience because that I'm kid. just... I'm just so sure that that kid's probably only seen, like, the MCU, where <laughs> it's, like, again, there's some good Marvel movies, but, like, there's nothing in the, um, any Marvel movie that is, like, quite, like, you know, Ben Gardner's head popping out in Jaws, or, like, Quint getting devoured by a shark. No, they wouldn't do that. No. 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 Um, but that's... Maybe that kid'll, maybe that kid'll start a podcast with his friend years later. God, I hope not. <laughs> Talk about talk about their cinema day experience with their movie theater working friend who hated the fact that they did this last minute, didn't plan for it, but whatever. I hope everyone had fun and was safe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but on on that note, how are you, Richard? Well, I did not celebrate cinema day. <laughs> I don't imagine my, my celebrate. <laughs> My celebration was staying at home and and just chilling. <laughs> nice. No, no. In all seriousness, just to just to put context to it, you know, if I haven't already sp- spilled the spilled this out, but I do work at a movie theater, and like, and and other, if it was something that was planned ahead of time. It wasn't planned after the summer once all of the... Because you got to remember, too, movie theater jobs are entry-level jobs. And the vast majority of these people are in their, like, 20s, maybe a little younger. They got to go back to school. They got no time to be working. And a lot of schools, especially in my area, are not very close. Which is also ironic, given that there is a college right behind us, but none of the kids that I work with go to that college. So, so it's just... It's just really bad timing to just throw this sort of last minute thing like, oh, everything's going to be three dollars. We're going to like if it was something that they said like months ago, then we could have planned for it. We could have prepared for it. If they had it during the summer, that would have helped because we would have had more staff. And like I went to work on Tuesday and they were like, yeah, Saturday sucked. (laughs) Saturday was not fun. And so that's just, I'm just throwing that on the list of days that I refuse to work. So like that it's like that and Valentine's Day and my birthday. Those are the three days I'll I'll never work because Valentine's Day, fuck that. Mm. <laughs> Especially when like a Fifty Shades movie's out, that's the worst. Right. You don't ever want to do that. Listen, movie th- movie theater goers, it's bad enough with like stuff going on right now, but when the Fifty Shades movies are out. There was people doing stuff in those theaters. There was those, those people were feeling things. There was um, items left. <laughs> Let's just say mm. it's not it's not great. But uh, I send I send my be- my best well wishes to all movie theater workers for Cinema Day, and I hope uh, everyone was prepared and everyone made it through. Um, and to the people that went and celebrated, I hope you had fun mm. and were safe. So. I'll say that much. Um, other than that, <laughs> I, I, I'm doing more or less all right. I just, it's sort of like a mix between like weird and okay. Really, it's just been kind of like an up and down sort of time for me at the moment. Um, I've 
I've been I've been getting a little bit aggravated with some things, admittedly, but I'm not going to dive too much into it because it's a whole thing, and I already ranted about it on Twitter, so I'm not going to go further into it. But sure, I'll just say I'll just say I I do what I do, and it doesn't affect anyone but myself, and I'm comfortable. That's as far as I'll go with it. There you go. Uh, I have been watching some things. I've uh. I've, I watched it, Wrath of Khan for the first time the other day because I'd never seen any old Star Trek and that was that was pretty that was scary mm. Speak, speaking of PG movies that feel odd like there's a whole bit when there's like an alien thing crawling into Chekhov's ear and I'm like and they zoom into it and like they zoom out of it like there's blood dripping out of his ear and I'm like <laughs> yeah that's squeamish inducing man and like, because I remember whenever people talk about it, because it's they, you know people consider it like the best Star Trek of like the actual Star Trek movies, um, so much so that it influenced J.J. Abrams in his whole trilogy, or kind of like super influenced by the Wrath of Khan. But um, like everyone's always talking about how hammy. Ricardo Montalban and uh, William Shatner are, and they are, and they're very great. They work even though they don't really share a scene together necessarily, like they talk to each other through communicators, but they're never actually in a room together. So that kind of sucks. Right. Cause I would have liked to just see them fight, but they're also old or older than I'm sure they were when they initially met in the, that, that one episode space seed space seed. Yep. Yeah. So maybe they were like, yeah, we're not gonna have a fight scene, even though like Ricardo Montalban's pecs are out the whole time. And you're like, yeah, his pecs, by the way, <laughs> like it's it's actual pecs. So that's 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 nice. Um, um uh, that's a great movie, though. Like, it is that, a lot. That, it was it was really good. Yeah, yeah. I I had a good time with it. Uh, it was just I was just surprised at how like intense it got at times. I was like, like they find dead bodies hanging at one point, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they had to do a lot. Uh, they had to do a lot of rejiggering because of like star trek the motion picture uh i've heard you know, that one i've heard that one's a train wreck it's like it's an interesting because i actually watched rewatch real letter media's video about star trek the motion picture and i guess because you know neither one of us i would say are like trekkies you know i, I think it's trekkers isn't it <laughs> i don't know <laughs> is it tre- <laughs> i've never heard like anybody like I'm a trekker. I, that's, that's that's always been like the joke I would hear from people is that like people would say Trekkie and they'd be like it's Trekker, and I'm like okay, I don't I'm not a warry or a warrer if I like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> in any you're case, just, you're just a Star Trek fan. In, in any case, yeah, we're we're not you know, one of the yeah. Sorry, do you know it's a really cool like fandom name Whovians, Whovians for Doctor. For Doctor Who, I do, I do, I did like the term Whovian because that's just a fun word, right? But anyway, uh, you were saying no, but I guess you know, like if if I get I, from their perspective, because they're big Star Trek people, a, a couple of people in Red Letter Media, so like I guess from their like viewpoint, you know, like and the I guess two I, main I, dudes, the um, well, one of the main, well, Mike is a Star Trek guy, and he had another guy on. I forgot the dude's name, but they it was a good, it was a really good review. Um, and it makes me really want to revisit that movie, just uh, against my better judgment, because it's, <laughs> I remember watching it, and it was so boring. 
I was like, because <laughs> well, because I made the mistake of like, because as a kid, like you know, I talked about my dad's VHS collection. He had more Star Trek tapes than anything else, but they were not. You said your dad the, was a big Star Trek guy, yeah. Yes, but yeah, I remember he that. didn't have any of the episodes. So you just had the movies, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna start with the first movie, and I'm like, oh, what? Oof, <laughs> what man. is this? Especially again, because I, I love Star Wars, and it's like, you know, Star Wars is like fast paced and like exciting. It's, it's so different. It's, yeah, it's so. It's, I think I think that's what J.J. Abrams was trying to do with the newer ones because they feel much more fast paced. Like he was trying to like maybe that's what makes him feel a little bit weird. I don't know how people feel about. I know how people feel about Into Darkness. There's no question about that. But as far as like his first one, I don't really know how people feel about that but it is it is it does have a very different vibe to it yeah and i think yeah. also too because like because you know because people always talk oh star trek versus star wars and it's like they're two very different things like mm-hmm. start star trek you can do on like a lower budget and they keep trying to put like so much money at star, <laughs> at star trek very true like it was it was sort of like a conundrum because I was because here's a story here's another thing that happened to me recently so um I bought so just to kind of backtrack a little bit speaking of Star Wars um I bought tickets because Joey and I are going to Disney at the end of the month which is very exciting um we're going for like a weekend so it's like a weekend getaway for the dudes um (laughs) yes and uh it's a it's a dudely um, it's a duty moon, not a honeymoon because we're not married. It's a duty moon. It's mm-hmm. terrible. I'm not saying that word ever again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> duty moon. moon. But um, <laughs> but no, we're going we're going for a weekend. But you know, Disney tickets are expensive, and so there's like a lot of money sort of regulation, like trying to like save money and not spend it on a lot of stuff. I knew there were some things that I pre-ordered. That was going to come in the mail, but I, I figured I'll try to stave off and try to save some money since I just spent that, and I still got to get my plane tickets. But anyway, so I was I was pretty chill because I knew I didn't have anything coming out this week that I needed or wanted, I guess, because I don't really need any of the stuff that I buy. Right. <laughs> but um, besides food, that's the only thing. Um, but I I was looking at the because they were Paramount was doing individual releases for the Star Trek movies on 4K and I, I was looking at the covers I'm like these covers are really cool and I was like I kept looking up like could I watch because I know because you hear about Wrath of Khan more than any other one and I was like could I watch Wrath of Khan without having seen anything else especially because it felt like maybe they were trying to reboot the the franchise after that first one sort of failed. Because Star Trek the motion picture is kind of universally despised, I feel like. I feel like it, it's kind of has a reputation of being yeah. just boring. Um, you know, it made money, but it was very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh. But, so like, there was definitely that, like, you know, if, if I said to myself, if Best Buy has Wrath of Khan at the very least, because, you know, they could maybe not get the sequels, or they could just get, like, one or, like, the box set that's coming out. If they get Wrath of Khan, I'll, I'll head over to Best Buy and I'll pick it up. So they, it, I went on the website, said they had Wrath of Khan. I was like, alright, I'll go I'll go pick it up. It was, like, 20 bucks, so it's not the worst thing. It's not, it's not the most cheap, but it's not, it's definitely in that right range of what normal home media costs. So I get there, and I completely forget that best buy every now every now and then for the holidays for the halloween season will put out a section of halloween movies 
is and I went there and I noticed that there were some things in their shelves that I hadn't seen before. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold the phone. So I saw they had a bunch of stuff on 4K that they didn't normally have and I was like, why? <laughs> why did I come here today? <laughs> so I ended up spending 60 bucks instead of 20 bucks. <laughs> so I've I've sort of failed in my <laughs> in my endeavor to try to save money. Um, I went home with a, a few more movies, but I did watch Rathcon, and I did enjoy it. So at least there's that. But I also ended up buying the new 4K, The Adams Family, the first one, which was really good 4K actually. And it has they extended uh, a scene in the movie that was a lot of fun. It's a musical scene that Raúl uh, Julia does, and it was a lot of fun. Mm. And um, I also got the 2017 It, which I was nervous about. Because I feel like the reputation of the the, the recent It movies has been a bit, uh, like, uh, has just gotten worse because that second one really turned people off. Right. Especially with uh, the opening scene, which how harsh that that scene is. Mm. And so I was nervous. And, you know, obviously people are kind of tired of 80s nostalgia, as as I am, I know. And so there was like, well, can I still enjoy this movie? And I watched it and I was like, yeah, I still like it. Like, I still had a good time with it. It's it's definitely, you know, it definitely helps that it's the an adaptation of the better half of the book. Mm-hmm. That from what, <laughs> so, um, so that was that was nice, and and, and it looked better than I expected because I heard it it was it didn't really look that much better than the the regular Blu-ray, but you know at least it doesn't look worse, so I can I can take that. That's good. Uh other than that, I have I oh you know what? Last thing I'll say, I I finally watched Thor: Love and Thunder. <gasps> yeah, because today, because today officially today is Disney Plus Day, and they decided to uh, put Thor: Thor: Love and Thunder on there. So now I've now I'm officially caught up with all the MCU stuff. Woohoo! Um, but and speaking of nervousness, there was some nerves going into that one because obviously I'd heard from a lot of people that people thought it wasn't that good and so i was a bit nervous but i know you liked it so that i was I like did. okay i meant be one of the movie's five fans <laughs> <laughs> like i that definitely i think that definitely helped a little bit knowing that so i was like okay i think so joey liked it though i there are times i don't like some of the things you like but there's but more often than not i do judge your i do think you have good judgment so i'm like all right i might i might get into this um, the only thing that really scared me was that my one friend who's really into Taika Waititi didn't like it. And I was like, oh no. Mm. So, so I watched it and I'm like, I, I get why people didn't like it. And it's not for like anything bad. Like I don't like the, yeah, the movie's very jokey. Tonally, it's a little weird. Um, especially like when there's really somber moments yet they decide to be funny and that feels a little weird. Um, and special effects, like, you know, it's what it is. Uh, nothing like, nothing really like pissed me off or bothered me necessarily. I was like, okay, you know, there's times in the movie it looks beautiful and there's times in the movie I'm like, yeah, you know, but I think what really pissed people off is that it feels like, oh, my dog is crying. I hope she's okay. Um, what was I saying? I think what pissed people off is that the movie feels like it was aimed at children because mm. it, it like th- there's a, there's aspects of it you can probably argue that it's like oh this isn't for kids 
like a lot of the Christian Bale stuff, maybe. But uh, at the same time, I look at it, and I'm like, this feels like this, this. This has the same energy of like the Lego Movie. This like this has the same energy as something like that, like something that is like wholly made for kids. And I and I feel like that it sort of sent it home. And I'm spoiler alert, but I feel like that that feeling was really sent home. Or when uh, at the end of the movie, all the kids became Thor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like at the end of the movie, he's he's got a kid now, right? So he's 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 dad god or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I think Taika made this for kids, and that's what's pissing people off. Which is interesting because like I I agree with I I do I mean I need to see it again, but I do see what you mean, and that's mm-hmm. something that I don't think ever really came up, you know. Um, when mm-hmm. talking about when talking about this movie, um, it, it actually like, makes me yeah. Oh, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it, it makes me really want to revisit. I mean, I've wanted to revisit it since I saw it in theaters. Um, and as you know, I really, I really liked it when I saw mm-hmm. it. Um, but I saw it. It was great because I saw it a couple days after it had opened. So I wasn't. And so you opening. had some time to yeah. process, and there was no yeah. people. There wasn't like a huge crowd, maybe too. No, that too. Yeah, and I, th- I feel like Mike and I were like the only two like really enjoying. It. <laughs> People were like, "Dude, shut the fuck up! I hate this," and I'm just like, Ooh. "Like, like, shh! I'm having a good time." Uh, Kevin Feige made something that I kind of like. Come on, shh! This doesn't happen often. Shh! <laughs> but what no, like, saying. like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, "This is fucking Spy Kids." <laughs> like like this is spy kids like this the, there's a joke every minute and it, none of the and none of the humor is like subtextual necessarily like a lot of it is maybe like a few things here and there but a lot of the humor is like silly yeah like you know what i mean and because mm-hmm. of that it, it's like i feel like a kid could i feel like listen i feel like if i was like 10 years old maybe younger and i'm watching this movie this would be my favorite mcu movie it'd be the best movie <laughs> It'd be it'd be it'd be like this is the shit. Why is no yeah, one like actually, this? This would actually, in some ways, I know. Like one of my favorite episodes we did was like Flash Gordon and Ragnarok. I feel like mm-hmm. this makes really makes me think of Flash <laughs> Gordon because <laughs> it's just, it's so ridiculous. It's like it's it is so ridiculous. But like, and like I again, I I get like people going, oh, there's too many jokes. There's too many of this, and it's like, but I feel like that's something you see in a kids movie. Like that, that, that like approach, that mentality, it's like jokey, 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 jokey. And does that mean it's a good kids movie? You know, your mileage may vary. Right. But I do genuinely believe that when Taika was making this, he was making it for his kids. Right. And who are both, I believe, I know one of his kids is in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I did theorize that maybe um, Christian Bale slash Thor's new kid uh, was, um, was one of Taika's kids, but I, I, I could be wrong. Right, but I think it was kind of like centered around kids, and I feel like a lot of the jokes were really aimed at kids. I think the one sort of like messed up joke that you know I think someone pointed this out on Twitter was the the Infinity Gauntlet being turned into an ice cream shop. Mm. Like you know, again, not every joke is supposed to land, but you know, though there was a point it made me like it brought me back to twenty twenty. I'm like, this is making me think of COVID because <laughs> Christian Bale is COVID. And Russell Crowe's like, we don't need to do anything. We're fine. <laughs> oh, 
okay, uh, this might not go in the episode, but how, uh, my favorite thing that I applauded for was when, like, you think Korg is dead, and then... <laughs> it's just uh, a face? Like, <laughs> uh, no, but, but, like, Thor straight up, we think he straight up murders Zeus. And I'm like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then you had to have been pissed at the after credit, though. Oh, I was, but it yeah. was redeemed because I was like, it's the Ted Lasso dude. Ted him give it oh my god but, but yeah that just went so hard i was like <laughs> and the whole time i'm like is russell crowe doing an italian accent or is he like is this is his version of greek like i didn't really know it was i i, I take off your disguise I, it's, he sounded like pistachio <laughs> Yes, you know, I, I take Thor, off your disguise. <laughs> you know what Thor was like throughout the whole movie? He was just like, what? I don't know what to do. I don't know what, don't to, know what to do. I don't know I what to do. Don't I don't know <laughs> Is this movie um, is Master Disguise and Spy Kids rolled into one? <laughs> dude, um, uh, Master of Disguise, Love and Thunder, make it happen. <laughs> Pistachio in the MCU. Where's Dana Carvey? Give him his money. Give him <laughs> his Marvel money. <laughs> it's just you see the next bad guy Thor has to fight. It's just like, what if harm found its way to you? <laughs> terrible, terrible turtle harm. No, no, no. See, see what they're gonna do is they're gonna bring back Christian Bale, but he's gonna he's gonna be um, Brett Spiner's character, uh, Bowman. <laughs> just. <laughs> Everything goes back to the master of disguise. But you know what, Richard? Richard. Yes. Richard. This, I feel like in many ways, at least for us anyway, has been our most eagerly anticipated episode to record. We even tried it once and failed because I just couldn't figure out how to get the footage. (laughs) It was... Yeah, You want to tell that story? Well, so... And this is an idea we still want to explore yes. at some point. Um, yes. Now, there are times where people will message us and go, you know, be a great double feature, this cool movie and a cool movie we've already talked about. And that happens so often. It happens a lot. Yes. Uh, it happens quite often. Um, and we were going to do a series on YouTube, and we still want to do it at some point, uh, called Two we Dudes just need Remixed. To- we just also need to upload on YouTube at some point because we put songs on there, but that's it. Uh, we yeah, we do. But anyway, but yes, and sorry, one of our two ep- dudes remixed. One, two dudes remixed, and one of our episodes, uh, we were gonna remix like the episode, the movie we were gonna reuse was Flash Gordon, actually. So it's mm-hmm. fitting, fitting that I brought it up earlier, and we were gonna pair it with Tron Legacy because both um, both scores. Um, both of those scores are extremely amazing and iconic, but they're done by um, musical artists in groups, bands, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got, in Flash Gordon, you have Queen and uh, Tron Legacy, uh, Daft Punk. Hold on one second. Keep talking. Okay. Um, I'm gonna keep talking and stalling. Doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a. 
My dog is here. If you can't hear. <laughs> Hello. Hello, dog. It's okay. Um, but we were going to do that. And we also... But we also... Because I think in my head... In my head with, with Tron Legacy, I'm like... I had never seen the original Tron. And I... And you hadn't either, right? At that yeah. point? Yeah. I hadn't so seen I'm, it at that point. So I'm like, I need to watch this. And we watched it together. And I feel like... Richard, there was, I'm not going to... There was some there was some hesitancy on my end, I'll say that, because I was like, do we have to watch it? And you were like, yes, I kind of want to. And I'm like, okay, fine. And, I, Richard, I am not exaggerating. Our lives were changed forever. We became better people. We did. Like, we I'm, really pretty did. Sh- I'm pretty sure our friendship even got better somehow. <laughs> it's some, somehow. Jo- Joey is more willing to call me his friend now. Yes. <laughs> after this experience. This was cool. Uh, th- listen, um, and we, th- the movie we watch, of course, <laughs> the 1982 uh, Disney cult classic, Tron. Oh. On that note, I need to say this, and it's only because this was just announced today. Criterion is going to do a Disney movie. They're they're working with Pixar specific. I, I assume it's Pixar specifically because they're re- releasing Wall-E in 4K. Here's my suggestion. Okay, just just throwing this out there. But if it is Disney, the company that's allowed. I mean, Disney has control over Pixar to as far as distribution. I imagine. Unless Pixar's like just saying, "Hey, you know, you're putting all our movies on Disney Plus, so on Disney Plus Day, we're gonna give you a big old couple of middle fingers and work with this label." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, either way, power to Pixar. Um, but if it is Disney specifically that is working with Criterion, I would like to suggest Criterion Tron. I know maybe it's not like the ideal choice. But I think that would be really cool, or at the very this, least, like Arrow or one of these other guys. I Tron. feel like Arrow would put out a great Tron. Oh, I, I imagine the big it would light poster. up. Oh my god! Oh my gosh, it would. Dude, I, no, it, oh. no. Can you imagine the poster? I want to. I want to see it. I want it in my hands. We are getting ourselves hyped up for physical media that will probably <laughs> never, never exist. But you know what? The door is open now, and I want to look inside. Um, but yes, let's right. talk about Tron. Let's talk about Tron. So, uh, the funny thing with this movie is, it's kind of like one of those things, it makes me think of when I was a kid, and I Halo 2 was a thing, and I oh, didn't yeah. know there was a Halo 1. <laughs> oh man, I was so into Halo when I was younger. But, anyway... <laughs> Because I feel like we're going to talk about the sequel in the very near future, but mm-hmm. um, like it's one of those things where like the sequel and the ride, funny enough, have overshadowed this mo- this uh, Steven Lisberger uh, film, Tron, Tron. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, like dude, I remember, like I mean, I know I've he- I'd heard of Tron back in the day, yeah, and I do think. Um, do you remember Tron Kid? Do you remember that yes. like one of the OG like memes on the internet when that when like it, when the internet was when like YouTube and Tumblr and all that shit was like really taken off? 
Like, I remember the Tron kid. There was literally a guy. I don't know if he had, like, the actual Tron suit or if he made his own. But it was this kind of bigger dude. He had, like, a mustache and glasses, I think. And he had, like, yes. his own homemade Tron outfit. Yes. And that was, like, the first time I ever heard of it. And then, obviously, in 2010, uh, Disney did, during, like, the 3D boom, Disney uh, did Tron Legacy. And they were trying to... This was, like, during a time when Disney was trying to, like, figure out what franchise they could, like, start up, and nothing was really, like, panning out, necessarily. Because, like, they tried <laughs> video games with Prince of Persia, didn't work. Um, they tried, uh, obviously, Tron... I feel like 2010 was the year Disney was like, let's try something. And, and keep in mind, um, 2000... If you're wondering when Disney bought Marvel, uh, that was 2009, when they so bought that, Marvel, mm-hmm. and they didn't officially start distributing those movies until the Avengers. So that was like officially when when Disney had that. But obviously, you know, the one that made the most money in that time period was Alice in Wonderland. So it's like, well, live action remake seems to be what's what's cooking up mm-hmm. right now. So let's just do that. Um, but Tron was definitely one of those things where you're like, you know, okay, see see how it works and. That was sort of it for me. Like, that was kind of the end, because everything else was just Tron Legacy. You know, I'd listen to the Daft Punk music, and I'd uh, play with the toys that I... Because, you know, even though I'm 20, I'm still like, oh, these are cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, um, though, oddly enough, I never played the video game, because I think I was snobbish and like, oh, you know, movie tie-in games. Right, right, right. Um, it was a cartoon. Yeah, there was... What was that? What was the cartoon called? It was like Tron, Tron Uprising, I believe. Tron Uprising, yes. I think I th- wasn't Elijah Wood in that cartoon. <sighs> I don't the know guy? off the top of my head. The guy. <laughs> Spy <kid references laughs> um, no, but but Tron. This thing is crazy. All right, let's let's paint a picture here, Richard. Literally, let's talk about this movie. There's a lot Literally. of painting in this movie. A lot of painting. Oh my god. Like, this movie is so... It's so weird because it's a movie about computers. And there's obviously really early... Early, early... We're talking super early CGI. Like, computer-generated images. Like, and to it's the like, point... It's... Yeah, no. Sorry, you go ahead. No, like, I was... I think I was watching one of those, like, you know those... I forgot the channel, but they, like, talk about special effects and visual effects all the time. Is it Corridor talk- Crew? It might be. And they were talking yeah, about how, like... like <laughs> How, how how much computer power they needed uh, to make that yes. movie. And yes, like, it is and them. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they'd have to take the camera and, like, for some shots and put it up against whatever screen that they had because they didn't have a more sophisticated way of transferring that. Ugh. And then, oh, my God, just for the lighting effects, they had to go, like, frame by frame by frame just to put those in. Like, yeah. there's so much work that was put into this movie. And I think that's one of the things we love so much about it, is that you, it shows. Like, it, yes, a lot of it's dated, a lot of the actual... Because this is also, like, the first movie, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first uh, movie where, like, there's, like, a wholly digitally recreated world, for the most part. It's it, it's certainly, like, there's a... I mean, there's not, there's not as many special, like, digital stuff in this as some people think but it's also i mean but but there's also like for that time it's it's still wild because again because people talk about things like jurassic park and the terminator um terminator 2 
and stuff as far as like you know groundbreaking cgi and you have this thing in 1982 um same year as wrath of khan same year as wrath of khan same year as blade runner by the way which Mm -hmm. i would argue probably has it might argue has like some of the the best like practical effects ever and it is such a another visually distinct movie um but this movie i think what i love for it it just goes for it it just goes for it. it makes me think of like a george i wish we could have also paired this with just george melies george melies yes because like it's a bunch of weirdos in costumes and like there's all sorts of weird visual trickery going on like i think <laughs> about the one dude a uh, dumont and i'm like oh my god what and is this he's just like in this like thing that swivels and he's got a big hat yes <laughs> when oh. he's in the video game now this the oh my god there's so many crazy things and just how well it all sort of comes together. Like, obviously I'm sure there's some things that they were like, well, shit here, like, oh God here, but you watch it and you can't help but kind of be mesmerized by everything, you know, like, like, like even, even like the stuff that is very like low grade technology, it sort of works. Mm-hmm. Even even by today's standards, like yeah, by today's standards, you know, you have something like Tron Legacy, which has obviously much more updated effects, and you know, everything looks very like well, crisp and clean and, and perfectly rendered. But you you go back to this, and you know, obviously it's set in the eighties, and so like it's got arcade games and computers and stuff that are also of its time period. So it's not like anything feels like it's out of place for what it's right. supposed to be. Does that make sense? No, yeah, that, that totally. I totally agree with that. It do, I'm never taken out of the movie mm-hmm. um, um, at all, really. I mean, like, and that, that, that's like, a big fear with a lot of older movies, especially when they use digital um, digital effects. Oh yeah, like like nothing about it f- makes it feel like oh you know like any of the like lower like sort of aged effects like it all feels eighties. Yes, and it's it's just it's not like you watch it and you're immediately like. Oh, master control looks terrible, and it's like, well, it's an a, it's it makes sense because that's what the graphics would look like in the eighties, even. Mm-hmm. Like for what it is, it, it it's one of those things where it's like the the datedness doesn't affect it at all, necessarily. No, <clears throat> no, kind of. It's 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 a feature. It's a feature um, in this case. Um, it, also, I want to mention too, by the way, this did get an Oscar nomination for costume design. And I think deservedly so, because you look at the costumes in this. We talked about Dumont. I think about Sark, dude. Mm-hmm. I love his hat, his helmet thing. His, hel- his helmet is so great. And, of course, the Tron, like, the the standard, like, Tron, like, um, armor that they that they have on, like, it's, it's kind of iconic in its own right. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's, it, and the crazy thing is, like you were saying earlier, just all the hurdles they had to go through just to, like, get it to look like that, you know, like... Like, it's funny to think that it's just, like, Jeff Bridges and all these other actors in, like, spandex suits with, like, some padding and some add-ons. And then, like, all the add-ons had some sort of color added to it later in post and in the editing process. But it's you you still kind of appreciate it. Like, I remember when I was watching that um, prop culture episode on Tron on Disney+, Plus. Mm -hmm. oddly enough. (laughs) Going back to that again. And, um... What was kind of funny was seeing the suits like out of the, you know, out of the Tron world. And like, there's still, again, there's still so much 
um, detail and, and, and layers and everything that they had to do to get those looks to look as good as they do. And like, you can't help but be impressed. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Um, also answer your question. Uh, Elijah Wood was in Tron Uprising. <laughs> I just saw it. The guy, the yeah! guy, um, I'm the guy, <laughs> but also, but also in, in this, there's a lot of like, visually it's great. I think the score by Wendy Carlos, um, Obviously, like everybody knows, like the the Daft Punk score from Legacy. I think this is a pretty mm-hmm. underrated score. I do. There are elements of the score that I do listen back to from time to time. This is a really good score. I agree. Um, I do want to talk a bit about um the plot of this thing, the story, which which is funny because when we initially watched it, we were like, we have no clue what's happening. We're just in awe of what we're looking at. <laughs> like we had a vague like roadmap because there's like you know. Jeff Jeff Bridges, uh, Flynn, Kevin Flynn, the man, you know, um, <laughs> like he's sort he's sort of like sort of ha- trying to hack into, um, you know, was it Encom? Encom, uh, yeah, Encom, because they stole his ideas, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, like David Warner, may he rest in peace. On that note, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he he's the main villain of the of the film. And he in is more ways also, than one, by the way. Yes, he is three ways, really. <laughs> but he's he's um was working alongside Kevin Flynn at Encom, and Kevin Flynn had developed all of these like amazing games, like Space Paranoids was one of them, which is I uh, then something else that I can't think of. But he developed all these games, and David Warner's character stole them. Mm-hmm. and credited his himself for it and he got all the power he's the senior executive vice president whatever at encom and kevin flynn is now just uh the owner of this like super dope arcade that he lives in which i'm sure you know obviously it's it's a it's 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 a alternative but you know um yeah so basically what he's doing is he's trying to hack into Encom using his own programs, one of which is Clue, which is a reference later on in Tron Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's trying to find the proof that his name is still on all these codes and all these games so that he can take down David Warner. Um <clears throat> But uh, in the meantime, obviously, you know, he's living in the arcade, making only so much money off of the arcade games, some of which he designed. And it's like, that sucks. It sounds very similar to another plot of a movie starring Ryan Reynolds that came out last year. It's weird. (laughs) Is that Artron 3, Richard? Is Free Guy really Artron 3? God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I hope not. That's not to say I, I, you know, I like Ryan Reynolds. You know, I think I'm happy for him and that he's had success now. But Free Guy was a little bit, yeah. yeah. But I'm not gonna get into. But that. no. Um, but it was Richard. You know what's actually the most interesting thing about this story? Like, because because you think okay, Tron, Jeff Bridges, right? Like, <laughs> no, yeah. Trot is not Jeff Bridges, though. <laughs> because you think Tron, you're like, okay, I just assume that's Jeff, it's like something Jeff Bridges, but it's like, no, it's somebody completely different, <laughs> different. 
that's oh my because like the whole time when i'm watching legacy i'm like this is this is just the game right tron tron is just the game and that's where the name comes from it's like no tron's a dude but tron is a different dude and it's actually kevin flynn's best friend's program named tron yes and he's he's the real hero of the piece <laughs> and yet and yet um joey how do you feel about him as a character <laughs> all right uh first um what's his name uh, bruce bruce Bo- bucks um box lightner i think Am I, um, tr- I think i mean he's good in the movie you know so and he's great in in legacy too he's not in it a lot but he's good in that um mm-hmm. i think what was like really silly was in the beginning and you still had a problem with it when we revisit when you revisited this it was still an issue because jeff bridges was explaining why he's hacking um <laughs> ncom and he goes and he, i don't remember the exact word he's like why are you doing that and, and it almost felt like jeff bridges was about to say, say like the disney equivalent of like dipshit i just <laughs> told you <laughs> like come on man i'm the dude um, <laughs> oh man which is oh man that's actually pretty funny because now i'm just thinking about uh jeff bridge's character um in iron man oh he takes the arc reactor <laughs> tron was able to build this in a cave with a box of pixels i'm sorry sir i'm not i am not alan bradley <laughs> It's just master computer. It's just the master control yelling at David Warner. <laughs> Flynn was able to build this in a cave, in an arcade, dude. But um, but like, what's crazy? Obviously, most of it takes place in the digital world. But mm-hmm. even like outside of there, it's still a visually really cool movie. I love David Warner's office, and I think it's such a perfect representation of his character. It's so dark. I don't feel like. Any light has ever hit any... I'm pretty sure the windows are fake. <laughs> like, the windows are are fake, and his desk, like... you Normally in a desk, it's like, okay, there's a decent distance, but you're able to, like, handshake. Unless you're, like, Mr. Fantastic, you have to really, like, jump on the table to, like, shake his hand or anything like that. <laughs> Not he's that like, you would want to, because he's a piece of garbage. <laughs> you're just like, there's a lot of space. And then, like, it's also... I think I thought it was cool that it was also, like, a computer... Yeah. Which they which they also reference later in Tron Legacy, oddly enough. But like mm-hmm. I I don't think I've ever seen something like that in person. Like a table that also I think maybe like at like a museum, maybe I've seen right. something like that. Like a table that's also a computer, but I thought that was kind of a cool thing. It but it's the it feels like also the only bit of color besides maybe his necktie that shows up yes. in his office. Mm-hmm. Right. But like I think it's one of those things where it'll make Steven Lisberger's a really good director. Like I think he, and I think the whole team, like, really did a great job, um, I think capturing a lot of these characters, like, you understand immediately the kind of guy Kevin Flynn is, he's kind of a, he's kind of like a Han Solo type, honestly, you know? It's like, I wonder why all your friends are 14, touche. (laughs) (laughs) And, and David Warner, you understand, he's evil, and there's so many different versions of David Warner, I mean, you got Sark, Master Control, like... It's Whoa. so it's so good. Like I like that there were like digital versions of all the cast too. So it's like, because like the whole thing is that Kevin Flynn um, gets access through Alan and his friends into uh, the computers at Encom, but then 
um, this invention that uh, one of the friends made that can like put a physical object in the digital world. Um, right. Kevin Flynn gets zapped with it because uh, he knows the master control because the master control at one point was just a chess simulation. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, designed, I believe, by Kevin Flynn or Kevin Flynn was familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, it became the master control. And then we go into the digital world and it's almost like a, a Holocaust s- story because you got the master control, which is like a dictator with uh, his right hand man, his 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 Ray Fines, his Voldemort, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> which I only say because it's the same actor. I'm sorry, Joey. <laughs> In any case, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but uh, he's like his like right hand man, and then they're all. They're basically taking all these programs that believe in the users, essentially, and so they're all they're all getting captured and thrown into the games, and sort of like a gladiator thing where they're being forced to kill each other right. in the games and or uh, deresolution as it's called. Derez. That's why you have that track. Derezed. <laughs> Derezed. Do 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 do. But, uh, <laughs> and so Kevin Flynn's the first time a user, so it's kind of like a, like a Jesus allegory, maybe, or like a Moses allegory. We're going to lead the programs away from the oppressors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is the first time a, a user gets zapped in. And so he's seeing all this and it's like, what is happening? So wild. And so, but like he adapts pretty well and they go on the light cycles and they do that. I love the the one that's like racket ball, but it's with like a light. Yes. That that's pretty yeah, wild. Like, and that's pretty that's pretty harrowing too, because like they like they throw it. It's kinda like the discs wars scene in the in Legacy. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about that. And I'm like, this is like gladiator games, basically, <laughs> with these with all these guys. Um mm-hmm. it's also just wild that Disney tried this twice. Like, right? think like, about that. oh my god <laughs> and there was a long period of time where we thought there could have been a tron 3 there like there's people even now like our friend phil who's probably the biggest tron fan we know at least tron like i don't know yeah. how he feels about the first one but he's he i know he talked about it a lot for a long time and mm-hmm. there was times like joey and i would talk be like we're surprised that we haven't talked about tron on the show yeah but we also at that time had never seen the original, and then we were like, "We need to talk about this now." <laughs> yes, um, like this movie is, is just gorgeous. Um, you know, Jeff Bridges is of course just one of our great movie stars. You know, he, and great. he and everybody else is, especially when they get to the digital world, are having so much fun. Like you know, like it, again, like. Like it makes me think of like those scenes in like travel uh, trip to the moon, where you see like all these really colorful characters, um, painted up, and looking mm-hmm. wild and, and crazy. And then obviously George Millier is like going back each frame and like painting and adding Getting color into to, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I think that's that's probably one of the best vibes you can describe. I thought it was funny to see Billy the Kid from from uh, Bill and Ted in the movie as Ram. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey! The first time I ever saw him in a movie, he looks at Keanu Reeves and goes, whatever you win, whatever I win, I keep. Whatever you win, I keep. 
And then you just hear the two go, sounds good, Mr. The Kid. <laughs> so, and he's, and you know what? Based on that fact, he is a returnee to our show because we talked about Bill and Ted. We got it. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's, that's actually pretty, pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, um, you know, uh, I, I, I hate that I didn't mention, mention her earlier. Um, was it Cindy Moore, uh, Cindy Morgan, C- Cindy as- Morgan. Um, a lot of people probably know her from Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. She's got, she's like, she's like obviously the attractive blonde love interest. I think of her as, uh, she reminds me of Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. Which is always a good thing. <laughs> yes, it always is a good thing. Cindy Morgan. Uh, but Cindy Morgan, thank you. Um, as, as, as Dr. Alora Baines, and she's in the di- in digital world, Yori. Yori. She's she's also having a good time. She actually is the inventor of the laser that zaps Kevin Flynn into. It's like her and Dumont, who Dumont, funny enough, is another is another guy I recognize from a different movie because he was an old he was uh one of the old guys that um Walter Matthau and uh Jack Lemon meet in Odd Couple Two. <laughs> oh yeah. there's a whole scene where like he's driving an old car and uh, he's he promises to take them to California lickety split, but he's driving like two miles an hour, and people right. are passing them, and they're like, "Are you gonna go faster?" He's like, "We're going eighty five right now," and he's like, "I think that's your clock." <laughs> and at one point, he actually ends up dying, and it's and they're like, "Oh God, he's dead." <laughs> so what do we do? Um, <laughs> I don't know. And at one point, like his hairpiece gets blown off in the wind. <laughs> and a bird's trying yep. to get it, and they're like trying to get the hairpiece back from the bird. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but that was the first time I ever seen him, and so when he shows up in this, I'm like, oh hey! So there's two actors in this, and I'm like, I've seen you somewhere. No, that's always that's always a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't, is there anything else you want to talk about with 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 Tron, Richard? Um, I can't wait for the ride, and I hope it represents not just Tron Legacy, but the original Tron as well. And Disney, if you're working with boutique labels now, a 4K for Tron would be welcome. Please and thank you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, um, Richard, with this... With, this is... I will yeah. say also, sorry. Um, yeah. This... Because, like, Joey and I um, have our little thing where we have, like, the quote-unquote do, Two Dudes Hall of Fame. This movie would be there. It'd probably be a first ballot um, yeah. Hall of Famer, honestly. Just, just because it is one of those movies that neither one of us, I think, had any interest in it necessarily, but like maybe a slight curiosity. Mm-hmm. And then we watch it and we're like, why have we not fucking watched this before? Like, what is our issue? And so it's, it's, I think, I think it's worth checking out. Like, if you have hesitancy, I understand, but trust me when I say this. This movie is a good time, and it, it looks rules. great. It rules. Rules absolutely. It rules. Uh, with that said, Richard. With that said, do you Rich- feel the need? Richard, no, no, no. <laughs> We're not going to go there, Richard. Listen, don't screw around with me, Richard. You're a hell of an instinctive podcaster. Maybe too good. I like to bust your butt, but I can't. I got another problem here. I got to send somebody from this podcast elsewhere. I got to do something here. I still can't believe it. I got to give you your dream shot. I'm going to send you up against the best. Us two dudes are going to Top Gun. At least we're not going back to the future.
Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about Tron, one of the best movies Joey and I have ever witnessed. Our lives and friendship are significantly better for it. Now, we're moving on to another 80s classic, one of the all-time favorites of military propaganda. (laughs) But there's also a lot more to it than just that, so that's a good thing. Joey, my good friend... My co-pilot. Right, what were our nicknames that we gave us? Sideburns and what did you call me? Logo. Logo, yeah. Sideburns <laughs> and Logo is our is our pilot names. But uh, Sideburns, what is our uh, what is our second feature today? Our second feature, Richard. Are you ready for this one? I can't <laughs> believe it. I want. No, I'm not going to go through that again. Like the the first half. <laughs> Um, you can always do no, his speech from Back to the is, Future. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no McFly no will ever amount to anything. Ever anything in the history of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> podcasting's going to change. <laughs> oh, back in time. No, we're not back. We're not talking about Back to the Future, even though the principles in this movie. You like Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> You don't need money. Don't take fame. Don't need a credit card to fly this plane because we are going into the danger zone. You are going to take my breath away. We are Harold Faltermeyer in Top Gun. is freezing up like hell on my end because of the internet i hear him scream i don't know i assume something's happening it took us forever to get this call started we were two minutes in and he didn't hear me singing danger zone oh i can see him now yes um anyway um top gun is our film uh, today, T- Tony Scott, Tony Scott film. It's a Tony Scott film starring stuntman extraordinaire, Mr. Tom Cruise. Among others. There's a, His, this is a big cast. This is this is a pretty big cast. Wait, is this the first time we've talked about Tom Cruise on the show? Tropic Thunder. Oh, uh, yeah. But this is... Just- this is the first Tom Cruise vehicle, like Tom Cruise, like as leading man that we've ever yes. talked about in this program. Yes, it is. Um, Joey, I have a question for you. When yeah, was the up? first time you've ever heard or watched 
this movie. Well, funny story about that. Um, <laughs> Top Gun is a movie I, of course, heard about, right? And I remember as a kid, my mom and a friend of hers were watching it. And I didn't feel like watching it because it looked stupid, in my opinion. The, to keep in mind, I was like 11. But anyway. Um, so, but I, I fell in love with the song Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins. One of the greatest songs I've ever listened to in my life. And I did not see this movie until earlier this year. But I watched it with my mom when it was on Netflix. And... and- it was a good time. At least this time, you were like, you know what? It doesn't look stupid this time. I'm gonna watch it. It's it's my kind of stupid. I think is the, uh... <laughs> nice. I, that's kind of the same. I I didn't watch it until I think last year, or the maybe it might have been one of the movies I watched during lockdown of 2020. I don't remember, but I know I watched it because I was like, you know what? My mom, my dad talks about this movie all the time. My sister talks about this movie all the time. Like, it was one of those movies that I knew all the references to. Like, I feel the need, the need for speed. I knew that Goose died. I, I knew that Iceman was there. <laughs> I knew that Maverick was there. The first time I ever heard Danger Zone, though, and this is, this is very true and somewhat um, fitting for me fact, uh, the very first time I ever heard the song Danger Zone was actually the chipmunk version that was featured on a series uh, that the Chipmunks did called Chipmunks at the Movies, where Chipmunks did their own take on popular movies. So there's one for Indiana Jones. There's I think mm-hmm. there's one for RoboCop. And the one that I uh, watched frequently as a child that had the Danger Zone via Chipmunks song in it was, of course, Batmunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh that one uh that one i want to get on the show admittedly that would be such a weird one to talk about <laughs> just, just to talk about batmunk for an episode that'd be kind of funny um but yeah the first time i ever heard of top gun was probably because of that and then just hearing about it so often from my my sister and my dad specifically who were into top gun so i decided to watch it and i wasn't really into it at first mm-hmm um, like I kind of lumped it in with like Lost Boys as one of those '80s movies that maybe feels just too '80s for me. I don't know, but right. I think the more I heard about it and then wanting to revisit it again, I I kept thinking about it and I was like, I'm gonna watch this again, especially because there's a very specific thing about this movie that no one really talks about, but it became sort of more known after a whole scene that uh, I guess was in, I don't know if it was in a Tarantino movie, but Tarantino was definitely the one in the scene talking about this. I don't mm-hmm. really remember what it's from, if I'm being honest. I'm sure someone can tell me after the fact, but it was, be- I think that because of that, and then just like the general uh, sort of retrospective feeling on this movie, like that sort of made me want to watch it again. And it kind of made me like it more. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, should we? Do we want to lead with that, or do we want to wait to talk about that later? I'm I'm going to do this in the tune of of one of the songs. Uh, really quick. <laughs> um, they are subtextually gay. Do do do. Bom bom. Bom It's probably uh, probably using the phrasing wrong, but basically, you know, I think I think the one example everybody talks about is the volleyball scene. Yes. Yes. You know what? I'm going to tell you a story about that. So Top Gun Maverick came out, not that it came out middle of summer last year or this year, pardon me. 
And I work at a movie theater, if you couldn't tell from my earlier rant <laughs> or any previous episode. Um, but obviously, we had to deal with a lot of the crowd that was coming in for Top Gun Maverick. And where I live, a lot of that crowd is conservative, red state, even MAGA people, and people I'm not particularly a fan of, if I'm being honest, just to put my political views out there more. <laughs> and so, and obviously, um, me and a few of my coworkers kind of feel the same way. It's just really uncomfortable, especially seeing like, you know, Trump shirts or hats or anything like that. It's like, um, but we got a lot of those people coming in to see Top Gun Maverick because obviously it has that kind of military propaganda vibe that the first one had. I think even the military, like, when the first one came out, said we couldn't have asked for a better promo. And so that was sort of the common complaint amongst my coworkers. And at this point, I had actually went and seen Maverick at the drive-in, and uh, I thought it was pretty good. So we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. But um, <clears throat> so I start talking to one of my managers, Hunter. Hi, Hunter, if you're listening to this, who is gay. And I was talking to him and I was like, dude, I got it. Like, it's the, the most ironic thing is that we're getting this type of crowd for a movie that's a sequel to like, arguably one of the most subtextually gay movies ever put on screen. And I we start talking about it. And I show him scenes from the movie. And I show him first of all, the, t the, the volleyball scene. And every 30 seconds, he's stopping the scene and looking at me and going, Oh, my God. Oh my god, how is this subtextual? This is so gay. <laughs> like this is this is incredibly gay. And like anytime they did like a slow-mo of like Val Kilmer spinning the volleyball or the dude flexing and everyone has their shirt off and they're sweaty and oily and he's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> yes. And just the more I added on to it, the more it just was became apparent. He just kept going, "Oh my god." Um, the funniest one was when I was like, you know the song Take My Breath Away? And he's like, oh yes, I love that song. I'm like, it's great, isn't it? And he's like, do you know where that song's from? And he's like, stop it. <laughs> Academy Award winning song from, <laughs> from Tony top, Scott's Top, top Gun. Gun. <laughs> uh, it, was the, it was the funniest thing. It's just this great revelation. Um, and then, I, and then I, the sort of similar thing happened with my mom because I was telling her like, like this movie is is so is really really gay and she was like no it can't be and then she watches it and she then I, co I come downstairs after i got dressed from a shower and uh she's watching the movie and she looks at me and she's like i can't what what is happening <laughs> is the greatest thing and it, and it yeah, makes it's gotta be it's got to be a weird thing for like our parents' generation, because like you know, because it is it's such a it was a huge hit when it came out. Oh obviously. yeah, like huge. I gar I think people forget about how big this movie was sometimes. Like weirdly enough, because there are people who are like the cult classic Top Gun, and I'm like, this ain't no Tron, guys. This no. is this is like literally one of the most mainstream movies ever made, <laughs> and it's like. It's just like, oh my god. And obviously a lot of straight people enjoy this movie. But oh, then yeah. you're like, oh. Oh, there's that element in it. Oh boy. <laughs> I think about anything. any like Val Kilmer knew what was going on. Val like, Kilmer was him. in on it. He's eyeballing like, Tom Cruise up and down. <laughs> I think about when, he's, when he does like the, the bite thing. Where he's like, like, 
Like you knew that there was so like this was my this was my thoughts on it watching it because everyone is so sweaty in this movie. You can yes. like like from the first frame to the last frame, everyone is dripping in sweat. And like I don't I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise did not have dry hair at all the entire movie. And on one hand, you could be like, oh, you know, well, they're in, like, California, I think, or, like, Florida, one of the, like, hot climate areas. They're close to the equator, probably. So it just makes sense that they're always sweaty and they have to wear, like, the military outfits, which probably don't breathe very well. Or <laughs> you could say a lot of sexual tension, <laughs> a lot of blocked sexual tension that can't be fully committed to, so they're just sweating from anxiety and desire. And that's that's my viewpoint. I'm like, every time Iceman and Maverick are on screen together, you know they want to kiss. At least you know Val Kilmer wants to kiss Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise is indifferent about it, at least until the end of the movie. I think this movie's interesting because obviously Tom, like, you know, Tom Cruise, we know him as a huge movie star, but mm -hmm. it's not like on this movie he was like a producer or anything like that. He, like, like Tom Cruise on Maverick must have had so much control over over that project like he doesn't have like a screenwriting credit or anything like that but i'm sure like nothing happened without his approval kind of thing i agree in the in maverick whereas like this is he's just a, he's he's the lead actor but it's it's not his movie you and know it, it was also like during his early days when he was really sort of coming into fruition like yes you know, getting getting absolutely. all these roles i this might have been was this his first like leading role, or was this at least his break? Is, was this his breakout role at least? It was a. It might have been a breakout, but it also was crazy too because there was a period of time where Tom Cruise, like everybody knows, Tom Cruise for doing like Mission Impossible and like big action movies. But there was mm -hmm. a period of time, and also a period of time in American film, where a big movie did not like a movie that made a lot of money was not necessarily like an action movie because yeah. there were movies Tom Cruise did back in the day. Um, that were huge. That were that were big. Like movies, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yep. Jerry Maguire is it's a romantic comedy, if anything, and yep. it got it made hella money. Uh, it, it got the the money was shown with Jerry Maguire. <laughs> with Jerry Maguire. <laughs> um, and then like uh, like Vanilla. I, I don't. Did Vanilla Sky do really well? <clears throat> I don't remember, but I know he did a lot of those. Like, like he didn't really, he didn't really become action star Tom Cruise until later in his life, when he was like in his fifties, sixties. Yeah, like he's a very, I mean, he he, you know, and that's why some people I think Tom Cruise has that rep. Part of that obviously is the Scientology stuff, but also people look at Tom Cruise because they just look at him as doing like kind of the same thing over you know over and over again but back in the day you can't really say i don't think you can really say that honestly no, it's weird to think that he did this movie with tony scott and then with his brother he made legend mm -hmm. which i still yeah. have not seen but it's Neither it's, it's it's wild to think that there's like a fantasy movie where tim curry's wearing huge horns which makes sense but then the leading guy is tom cruise of all people you're like wait what it, it it's like Tom Cruise, you feel like, is one of those guys that can only exist, like, from, like, the 1980s on. <laughs> or, or, like, even, like, Interview with a Vampire seems like, if you look at it compared to today, seems like that it's so weird. out of his wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Like, like I it do makes, like that movie, though. I, st I still need to watch it, admittedly. I've seen bits. I've started watching it a couple of times, but, like, it was always late, and I'd always fall asleep, but I really do the, I was. It. I really like the book. Um, The book was good, too, I thought. 
but like I could see Antonio Banderas and Brad Pitt and Kirsten Dunst all in that movie, but then like the main dude is Tom Cruise. <laughs> he's very contemporary. He has he he's got like a way about him. Um, but let's talk about more about the actual movie. Um, obvious. I mean, this is a defining role for Tom Cruise. Obviously, mm. um, uh, Pete. <laughs> I will say to this day, the fact that his first name is Pete is the weirdest thing of any like like of all of his character names that he's had in all of his movies pete mitchell makes no sense to me <laughs> I, I i think people i think i think people don't think about it though because everyone's just like oh maverick mav, mav. maverick yeah and like or it helps tom that cruise he, it helps that he has a call sign which his real name feels like a call sign to tom cruise yes L- like, yes it does like how your name is definitely your last name's not cruise but it is. It can't be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's not his actual last name. But, um, but yeah, like Tom Cruise in this movie is Maverick Pete. I'm gonna call him Pete just because it's funny. Okay. <laughs> just like everyone, everyone call him Mav. I'm gonna go with his biblical name. <laughs> <laughs> Joey's face right now. Joey's face is so in, in the year of our Lord 1986. <laughs> Maverick Mitchell <laughs> and his buddy Goose, <laughs> played by Anthony Edwards. Um, you know, they get yelled at by the principal of Back to the, Back to the Future. Future because because uh, you know they're they're being rambunctious and they're they're. I mean, they did do something good, but you know they it also was against protocol. It was yes, thank you. It was against protocol. And uh, so they get sent to Top Gun. Now, Top Gun is a real place, mind you. It's an actual, like, school. Like, a military, Air Force, pilot, Navy, whatever, school. And so he goes there, and that's where he meets all of these other iconic characters. There's uh, Iceman, who's played by two dudes, Hall of Fame uh, inductee Val Kilmer, um, and then there's his, uh, his co-pilot named Slider, who's like the dick of the movie. <laughs> and he also meets, um, shit. What's the, what's the love interest name again? <laughs> Why am I forgetting it? Charlie. Charlie. Kelly thank McGillis. You. Yes. Thank you. So Charlie and the best way that they set this up though, is that Charlie, initially like it's just like any old any old woman that he sees at a bar and that he tries to pick her up but with show tunes show tunes is how he tries to pick her up and it doesn't work (laughs) and so then he go he follows her into the woman's bathroom very weird (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you shouldn't be laughing at this it's don't Listen, if you're trying to ask a girl on a date, don't follow her into the girl's bathroom. If we're trying to anybody. Ask, don't listen. Just, yeah, just don't just don't ask out people in the bathroom. It, you know, it seems like there's there's some stuff, and it turns out Charlie is is a very important figure at uh, Top Gun. You know, yeah, <laughs> and she's like the uh, um what what is her position officially like. I forget. I thought she was like a. I don't want to say contractor. Like, like um, she's she's an instructor. Blah, 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 blah. Um, it just says. Uh, and the, um, yeah, this is like bad. I'm sorry. This is terrible. Um, 
it, this is terrible, but it's like, but she she's an important figure at Top Gun, you know. So and, like, and the of funniest course, thing is the big reveal. Yeah, yeah like he's that was a, funny. Yeah, he's in class, and uh, the teacher the teacher is Michael Ironside, freaking freaking Dark Side, <laughs> and, and he's also in Scanners. He is he is the scanner in Scanners. Um and oh he's in Michael Ironside's so many things. It's always yes. nice to see him. And he's in X-Men uh, X-Men First Class. Yes, he is. Um so but anyway, so he's the teacher, he calls over Charlie and she walks past everybody and Tom Cruise is like, "Oh no." But then he's like kind of a dick to her mm-hmm. <laughs> because she's like trying to like talk about how something's not possible and he's like well it is possible because you know and she's like well how is that possible And he's like it's classified what do you mean i have the highest ranking but it's classified (laughs) and then goose is being his wingman weirdly enough (laughs) like like he said it's classified i'm sorry and then then there's that (laughs) it's that whole thing where he puts the sunglasses on and he's chewing the gum yes Yes. You know, like he's smooth. But like this movie, a lot of it is just music videos and vibes. Like there's not really a, like once they get to the school, like that's kind of the end of the plot line. Well, the end of that plot line. Yeah. Because there's a couple, there's two, like this character, you think, oh my God, because I didn't know about the death of Goose, really. I just, for some reason, I assumed because again, I had no reference for Top Gun really. When I was watching the trailers for Maverick, that Miles Teller was like Iceman's kid or some <laughs> other unrelated thing, and then Iceman shows up, and you're like, "Hold on, wait a minute, hold wait on. a minute, what's happening?" <laughs> no, but like, and then watching this movie, but it's so crazy because like you're just having a good time. Like, there's people going like, "Ah, you gotta be more careful," but it just seems like a high school movie. Where, yeah, like, the principals are just dicks, and everyone's like, "You gotta learn your lesson," kind of thing. And then Goose fucking dies. Goose, like a, yes, it's such like, a stark contrast to everything else you're seeing. It's like watching Bambi, and you're going la 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 la. Psh, <laughs> no! Are you telling me another great double feature would have been Top Bambi? <laughs> dur, 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 dur. How were showers to dur. the forest? <laughs> 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 Just like th- th- Thumper to Bambi. You can be my wingman anytime. You can no. be my wingman anytime, Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> no, now I'm imagining Tom Skerritt as the great prince of the forest saying to Tom Cruise. But like with the mustache. Goose, with the mustache. <laughs> Goose cannot be with you anymore. Oh, God. Oh, God. So Thumper would be... Thumper's Iceman. Obviously, Bambi's Maverick. <laughs> And then the mo- and then <laughs> Bambi's mom is Goose. <laughs> Cause why not? But the, but there's that because that 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 takes a heavy toll on Tom Cruise. Yes, it does. Even though he's he even though he's cleared though, right? Like yeah, like he's... like they base like they have a court martial and they say it's not technically his fault because like and like it's it's sort of a weird situation how it plays out because like basically. You know, they're trying to eject because I think they lost the power to their engines during a training simulation. And Tom Cruise is already like like the hot dog, if you will, on on in Top Gun because like he's breaking the rules, he's doing the flyby, he's pissing people off, you know, he's being a hot shot. 
yeah. which explains why the parody of Top Gun is called Hot Shots. Hot Shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're trying to eject, and Goose hits the eject, but it's not in. But it's uh, a little bit soon because he ends up hitting the 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 top of the dome that is the like cockpit, like the window of the cockpit. And he yeah. like I and it's that where he like breaks his neck and like dies. Because there's that, and there's another big plot thing, too, um, and uh, because it involves Maverick's dad. Yeah, that's like something that travels throughout the whole film. It's like mm-hmm. you know, people are like, "All right, Mitchell, you're dead," or "All right, Mav, you're dead." You think your dad was this, but at the same time, you got to be better. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, basically, you know. But and then you have the Tom Skerritt character, who I gotta mention. I don't think we've talked about Tom Skerritt since Alien. We haven't. Like, listen, if you've listened to our show for this long, since like the <laughs> pre-Tom Skerritt, po- like, like there was an era of to- of of two dudes where we had a uh uh t- what do you call it? Oh, because like there's before there's before the common era, so it'd be before tom scarrett so bts yeah so literally bt oh my gosh like the like the band like just the like group. just like the group so there was a there was a time on two dudes that was bts but um then after alien jaw the, the jaws alien episode jaws of the alien i believe it's called um we we entered into ats and <laughs> then the, there was this period of time where we just never talked about Tom Skerritt. Now we're episode 98. We finally it's, have reached this it, moment. You know, <laughs> I think I said this to you. He makes me think of a serious David Bowie. <laughs> if, if Imagine if David Bowie and Burt Reynolds birthed a child. Because, <laughs> dude, you know what? I was looking at him in this movie and I'm like, he could have played Tesla in uh, The Prestige. He, he really could have. Um, but I like I like Tom Scare as Viper, uh, which I think is a is a sweet is a, that's a sweet call name. But he basically assures uh, Maverick, no, your dad was good. It wasn't you know, but it was classified shit. Blah blah blah. It's, it doesn't talk like that. It's, it's just you know, it's classified. It's classified. I think. <laughs> um, but you know, um, so there's that. There's, I feel like we're all over the place, but that's fine. That's, this that's, movie's that's amazing. Like this movie, I think allows us to do that because again, that doesn't have like, like it has plot points and it has moments, but it is mostly just like training simulations, cool music. music. Um, there's the whole bit with Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis, and take my breath away. Boom, boom. Again, Academy Award winning song. Great song boom, too. Boom, boom. Like really this soundtrack is so good. And then and then to top it all off with the soundtrack, you have Harold Faltermeyer. What a name, by the way. Mwah. The Top Gun anthem. It just get it, it's it makes it in a different sense. Like it makes me think of the Pirates of the Caribbean music. Bum, how it gets you pumped? Bum, 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 I'm like I can conquer bum, bum, bum. anything, man. But but like the music is fantastic. It's just fantastic. It's, and then, like there's the Cheap Trick song. I'm like wow, this is like the greatest song in a soundtrack with all the greatest songs. And it, and it it's all, like missing. It all fits together like like a perfect puzzle. It it's man, and then Tony here. Tony Scott, may he rest in peace. Also, oh uh, yes, Tony he, Tony Scott's one of the greats, honestly. Um, yeah, because obviously everybody talks about 
Ridley, but Tony has made some great movies. And I think this one, like it's, it's got a lot of style and mm-hmm. personality. It might not have a lot of substance in it, but damn, it's just like, I'm like, Dude, there's definitely a mood. That's, that's exactly how I feel when I watch true romance, which is another very famous Tony Scott film. I know a lot of people give a lot of acknowledgement to Quentin Tarantino because he obviously wrote the screenplay for it. And it does feel very much like a Tarantino movie, but Tony Scott makes it his own as much as Tarantino did. Mm-hmm. Like of all the, like, cause there's to my knowledge, I think there's like probably two movies that, that I can think of that Tarantino was very much involved in, but didn't direct. Um, and I know one of those is from dust till dawn and the other one's true romance. And I think, I think, from Dust Till Dawn feels more like a collaboration between Tarantino and Rodriguez, but and I think with this one because I I never seen Natural Born Killers. I know that was one of those another one of those movies that Tarantino did, but I think Tarantino hated it because mm-hmm. Oliver Stone like really like took over on that one, right? But but like True Romance, like there's no question that it feels like kind of a perfect collaboration. Like you have that the great wording the great wordplay from from Tarantino, but you also have those beautiful visuals and the lightings and the camera angles and, and just everything that, that Tony Scott brings to the table with True Romance, and he does that exact same thing here with this, and it's just, like, like the golden sunshine like lighting scheme that's all over this movie oh, is welcome yeah. as hell, and I'm glad that Joseph Kaczynski more or less brought that style back in with Maverick, because that just yeah. feels quintessential. Like, yeah, we can talk about how how um, how great and how gay, obviously, the volleyball scene is, but it is very beautifully shot, and the music is great. It is, it's, I, dude, one of my favorite scenes, even though it like it, it kind of messes up Maverick, is when he's throwing the dog tags, and like Tom Cruise is throwing the dog tags. You have like a wave coming, <laughs> like, <laughs> and you just hear like boom, 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 boom. Um, <laughs> But also, I have to admit, I'm going to bring up Val Kilmer again. I know we brought him up before. Um, he's terrific in this, um, needless to say. But what's also amazing in about true it, romance, by the way. Yes. But I have to mention this because, you know, you think about, like, there's 80s movies, right? I think about Karate Kid, where mm-hmm. you're like, okay, Ralph Macchio is clearly the good guy, right? Yes. And then the more you think about it, you're like, wait a minute. This isn't as this isn't what I thought it was, and I mean I I, don't, I haven't seen Cobra Kai, so I can't comment on but, that. But but the guy that's quote unquote the villain of of Rocky or not Rocky <laughs> Karate Cobra Kid Ka- of, of Karate Kid, yeah, um, is the main character of Cobra Kai, and right is sort of played off because like I've seen ep- I've seen some episodes of of Cobra Kai, and he like he is like at front and center, and there's even scenes where there's obviously still some antagonistic. Uh, feelings between the two characters but yeah like because you always just assume that and I, I this is where i assume you're going with this like val kilmer is like the bad guy like he is the right. asshole uh classmate that has to deal with or that maverick has to deal with however <laughs> however every he is the voice of reason <laughs> while looking incredibly hot <laughs> I mean, it's it's a wonder that Tom Cruise was able to to avoid him in that sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're like, yep. Come on, we all like even even Joey and I who don't identify that way. Yes, we would because Val Kilmer. Just, oh my god, it's, it's whatever. 
like, <laughs> but 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 Val Kilmer is always like you're reckless. Like he's, he's like you're reckless. He's saying things Maverick like you're reckless. You know, you take unnecessary risks. But and even at the end of the movie, where like you know after the big fight scene, he's and, and even after they won, it's just like you take risks and stuff. But you could be my wingman anytime. He's like, and, no, you could be mine. <laughs> so great. But one thing I re- really wanted to talk about the flight scenes um, mm-hmm. in this movie. They are, it's one of those things where I do have to admire what they tried to do here. And it works a lot better than it should have. Because they just got a bunch of, like, flight, you know, plane footage, you know, and they had to make something of it. Yeah. I think, like, I was, like, surprised at how, because, like, again, there's so many incredible shots um, that they were able to get from the planes. I mean, obviously... You know, it's it's hard to top what they did with the new one because you know, we'll, and we'll talk all about that next week. But um, the the truth is, like for what they did, it it's pretty damn good. I think, mm-hmm. like like anytime they're in the cockpits, I think it it's really well done. Um, I love the the style. I love the look of it. Um, it's very closed off. Like it doesn't feel like too wide or too open. Because like you think of a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of like cockpit scenes in movies and obviously they try to give the characters enough room so they can react more but this is like close we're in we're really getting to the emotional v uh pov of these characters and you know what they're feeling like especially after goose dies you really see maverick struggle and and i think there's also something to say about the fact that they're only really using their eyes to act yeah and you know like tom cruise like in the movie like he's you know, we've talked admittedly about this. Like, he's not the greatest. He doesn't give the strongest performance necessarily. He's a little robotic at times, but it does. Like, but I will give him credit that when he is in the plane, I do believe like the, the what he's feeling mm. in, in when he's doing mm. that. Um, and so like the for what for what they were able to do, especially again in comparison to to the new one or just most flight scenes in general, I think there's a lot of strengths that this interpretation, that this scene, that the, those scenes have. Plus they they can be a rush. And I even love that right. the, the opening is literally just planes landing mm-hmm. to the, yes. to the danger zone song. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely agree with you that like, you know, you definitely get more of the emotional thing with the actors. Um, it, it is also just hard to compare to the Maverick because when they're doing like, all that stuff. They're like, actually like in a plane. for realsies. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and sometimes I'll admit like, it, it's like, it definitely, there were parts where I'm like, what's going, what's exactly happening, you know? And so for me, sometimes it's like the weakest part of the movie, but like everything else, it just, co- it coasts on the vibes. It looks great. The music. Um, I also want to, uh, Kelly McGillis, I'm going to bring her up again. She's great in this movie. She is very good in the movie. I think one of my favorite scenes of hers is when she confronts him. And, um, yes. cause like there's that whole bit, it's like, um, they, they have like a small back and forth, um, in the class and she like chases yeah. him down and she's like, are, he's like, are you crazy? And he's like, she's like, I'm not done finishing my point. And she like gives him the business <laughs> and I'm like, get him, get him, <laughs> get him, get him. That's, that's great. Um, and then uh, also Meg Ryan's in this movie. Yeah, like, th- like this is one of those movies that is like, 
I don't know like what her career was like before Top Gun, but like obviously she became pretty well known after the fact. And yep. so it is kind of funny. I like how because like her wasn't her big was one of her big break breakout movies when Harry Met Sally. Yeah, I'm looking at this, and that was 1989 uh, when Harry Met Sally. Um, and this movie was obviously 86. So not so much later, she really got to like let 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 loose and like make a name for herself. But she's yeah, she's she's basically Goose's wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yes. kind of just like her only title. I like she she does a fine enough job in it, but they don't you know it's not like anything it, no. Um, but I do want to mention Tim Robbins is in this movie. <laughs> again another like iconic actor later on in life that just is like randomly in the movie I feel like that's the only reason he was cast in Green Lantern was because of the the Top Gun connection because I they probably asked Tom Skerritt and he's like I'm good <laughs> <laughs> do you know do you know what Tom, Tim Robbins call sign is wasn't it um my mother's making fart noises right now. I don't know if you can hear it. No, that's not that's not it, Richard. That's but not my mother is sign. making it's a, it's a long... my, my mother is definitely though making fart noises. That, you might be are able those to hear. real? Are those real? Yeah, like the the fart noises coming from her for her lips. Okay, I was worried for a second because no. I thought when I was though, asking real, I I'm, meant I'm like, sure she could pr- she could produce them very much real if she wanted to. Um. Uh. Anyway, uh, Tim Robbins' Merlin? call sign is Merl- Merlin. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, knew what kind of, it, it's, it, I knew what it was. It, I, just, <laughs> I just, I had a moment. Um. I apologize for the gas. No, it's okay. <laughs> I think with both with both with both of these movies, um, I think they're just both visual, really visually distinct, and they just give you some unforgettable imagery and uh, just. There's some fun characters stuff. Obviously, we talked about like they, I love when Flynn gets mad at <laughs> Alan Bradley <laughs> because man, <laughs> yeah. uh, like both of these movies feel like sort of prime examples of like a quintessential '80s movie to one degree, but very or different kinds of '80s. Very because like, like one, like one is like very much like oh, this is a weird out there like science fiction, science fictiony technology based movie this is a action you know action uh sort of uh big thing you know <laughs> action action sort of big thing that's that's listen big if there's any way to describe 80s it's big there you go top gun is big <laughs> hairy and big you mean an alaskan bull arm Named yes, I mean, Maverick! Uh, Tony Scott's Alaskan Bullworm in theaters. I'd watch that. Oh, for sure, dude. I would totally watch um, that. But you were saying... No, uh, but yeah, these movies feel like two prime examples of the kind of movies you get. Like, 80s movies were like all about the vibes, I feel like. Mm. It's like, there's so many movies from the 80s that feel like, you know, like music videos with a plot. And I don't mean that in like a like a negative connotation. Like I do mean that. Like you know, it's like w- like think of any like popular '80s film, and you'll immediately think of one of the best songs you've ever heard. You know, or you'll th- or you'll think of all these amazing visuals. Like only so many of them have really stood the test of time. But like, there's no question that a lot of '80s movies that are that are popular just feel '80s. 
And I think, mm-hmm. I think like, you know, obviously there was a sort of a boom in the 2010s and a little bit later of like trying to replicate that by just having things set in the 80s and giving it the 80s vibe because I think that's all they could really get from 80s movies. But in truth, mm-hmm. like I think, I think the thing to, to, the takeaway from 80s movies is that they tried stuff. Yeah, they they were willing to try stuff, and you know sometimes you get crazy computer worlds with uh, one of the greats of all time, Jeff Bridges, or sometimes you get um, a subtextually gay military propaganda film starring America's stuntman. And, and you I know like we were talking about two films. Uh, where, sorry, sorry to no, cut you off there, there but like. Like like one of these films, while it wasn't an outright flop, Disney had to take a write down. <laughs> it was like a tax thing they had to do, and then this one, um, in this one was a huge me- like a mega hit. Like it made you want to know how much Top Gun made, Richard, on its budget of fifteen million dollars. Tell me, three hundred three hundred fifty seven point three million worldwide. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yes, I believe it. Though. You were saying. Um, yeah. No, I was gonna say, could you imagine if Disney just put out a like put out a thing that said i'm so sorry guys but we have to cancel the release of tron <laughs> i know they're almost done with it <laughs> i know they're basically so finished mad. but we gotta cancel the release of tron i'm so sorry Whoa. i would I'd be so mad i hate you guys <laughs> I hate you. um folks 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 what would your tron user uh username be <laughs> Uh, um, uh, dashboard. <laughs> dashboard. <laughs> Chops. Um, it works. It's perfect. It works. Um, what would your what would your Top Gun uh Top Gun call sign be? Sideburns uh, logo. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I'm just get. We're gonna get our Tron suits ready and head into a, a plane. So there you go. There you go. And um, next week, we will give you guys part two of our little extravaganza. But this time, we're just going to stick around with one of our our obviously good friends. We know him dearly. Obviously, we don't. Um, Joseph Kaczynski, as he heads into the world of legacy sequels. Yes, the legacy sequels. um, You know, I was going to say Tron Legacy and Top Gun Maverick. We're talking about them next week. This is going to be amazing. Kind of a good time. You're going to love it. It's going to be good. We're going to get old Jeff Bridges and old Tom Cruise? Older Tom Cruise. (laughs) And you know what? Both are beautiful, I'm sure. Absolutely. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out next week. See you in the Danger Zone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. We are 
Harold Faltermeyer! <laughs>